Hello and welcome to Women in Strength. This is the podcast that goes far beyond what they teach us in Cert 3 and 4. My name is Rasheen Hawley and I'm going to be spending this time with you every single week, jumping into the real life challenges, the real life topics that we face as a coach, as a business owner, and as a woman running her own business in the fitness industry. I've been in the industry since 2013 where I started out as a sole trader in a commercial space and now I own my own gym here in Melbourne called Barbell Babes Brigade. I absolutely love being in this industry and I love educating and exploring the things that come up on a daily basis. I love to help other ladies really explore their capabilities as a business owner, as a coach and seeing what they can do. Because the thing is, when we create businesses as women, we are unrivaled. We have a power that is so untouchable and I really, really want to explore these topics that quite frankly can stop us in our tracks sometimes. So strap in, we've got lots of stuff to cover. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Ro and I am joined by a very, very special guest today. And I'm so excited to have her on the podcast because she is a wealth of fucking knowledge and I can't wait for her to share her story, her knowledge and her pearls of wisdom that are going to pop through throughout this conversation. So welcome Steph from Maya Strength Performance. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hello. So we are actually in Empire. Steph is with me in person. Um, We're sitting in like the worst setup that you can ever imagine. (laughs) We're like in this really beautiful building and it's like the most just backyard setup you've ever seen. So hopefully it all comes through nice and clear, but the, the, the pearls of wisdom are still going to be there. So what we really want to do today is you'll notice that the uh, title of the podcast is Bridging the Gap Between Clinic to Gym Floor. Um, and Steph has got a very interesting story both from a practitioner point of view, but also a business owner point of view. And I really wanted to pull out some stuff today for you coaches, you business owners that are listening, because when we pull inspiration from other people, I just think that is such an, uh, a pivotal learning curve in our career and in our journey as business owners. So that's what we really want to get through today. And I've got some questions that we're going to be bouncing off, um, but it's very much going to be a free ball over here. So I guess the first kind of thing I want to our Steph is, you know, tell me a little bit about what you do now, why you're in the industry, you know, where are you at and, and what's going on? Yeah, cool. I guess um, in a nutshell, for those of you that <clears throat> don't know who I am, I'm a myotherapist and rehab and strength coach. Um, and I just recently opened up my own business, Myo Strength Performance. Um, and it's been up and running for about three months now. Yeah, wow. Which sounds weird because it feels like it's been a year. (laughs) (laughs) Has it only been three months? It's only been three months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I guess like the reason why I came into the industry, like the simple answer is what everyone goes for. I I help people, you know, to help people. But as you grow inside it, kind of like evolve, um, it becomes really kind of specific Mm. as to why. And I feel like it's changed quite a bit. When I started, it was more coming from like a a background of soccer and having dealt with injuries myself and wanting to be able to educate athletes um, to go through the right, I guess, rehab process before they return to play. Mm -hmm. Whereas now it's a lot more to do with educating, still educating clients, but not necessarily athletes, educating general population um, on the process of the minute, from the minute they walk in to a clinic that they're in pain to the minute they walk out and then 
long term how that affects them and the knowledge that they have walking out mm-hmm. I kind of you know when clients come in I want to be able to give them enough knowledge and guidance that they can use that outside of the clinic so they don't always have to rely on me so they don't always have to come back in and they kind of know what to do and sort of how to self-guide themselves Mm -hmm. but I also want to be able to give them enough knowledge that they can go and tell other people I want to break the stigma that you know you're sitting down having lunch with someone and you say to someone oh you know my my hip's been really shitty lately I think I have like hip bursitis and then another person goes oh yeah I've had that I had to go get a cortisone injection from Mm -hmm. a doctor you should go and do that. And so they go down the path of going through doctors, cortisone injections. I want to kind of break that in that instead of saying that, they turn around and say, oh, you know what you should do? You should go see osteo, myo, chiro because they need to give you exercises. They need to, you know, look at your history. Um, They need to give you something movement-based. That way you can feel better. You don't need to go and do cortisone, you know, go and get cortisone injections. You don't need to go and be on pain medication or anything like that. I want them to be able to tell it like tell a different approach and tell yep. tell them different advice basically. I love that. So it's like you're wanting to arm general population or anyone really, you're wanting to arm them with the like I guess the insight, foresight to ask questions, to get curious, to know that there's a different conversation around pain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's really interesting because as Steph mentioned, you know, you were working with more athletes in a soccer based world. Has there been a transition where you have found you're more interested in working with everyday folk? Like, tell me about that because they're quite different people. Yeah, they're just, I guess, being um, in a clinic-based setting and also being in a setting where I'm working with a lot of athletes mm. gave me, like, the option to work with both. Yeah. And I used to think, and I think uni as well, going into uni and studying exercise science, we were only taught that working with athletes was the only option. Really? So we were kind of... Um, pushed and encouraged to do like a master's because you know if you wanted to work in the industry it needs to be with elite athletes like Mm. there was really no talk on like general pop or anything like that yeah and that didn't really get introduced to me until I started my myotherapy yes where I thought you know once I was in a clinic I have more like options I can actually work with general population and I actually enjoy it as well as opposed to just you know, the like the fantasy or the, the fancy looking, oh, you know, I work with an, with an athlete type thing. Yeah, that's so interesting because we hear it all the time when coaches come into the industry, right? They'll have all of these grandiose plans of I want to work with high-level sportsmen, yeah. I want to work with athletes only. And although there's nothing wrong with that, like you're saying that when you go through a university setting, like that's the thing that they kind of push to you, right? Yeah. Whereas the conversation around general population, everyday folk, anyone that's feeling the need for that kind of service, like it doesn't sound like that's opened up that much. No, not yeah. at all. And I feel like a lot like a lot of the time with like general population that aren't considered, you know, an athlete or an elite athlete, they'll just be pushed into go and see a doctor first. Yes. And then that can be a really like dangerous kind of rabbit hole for them um, through, you know, pain medications or surgery or just things that are not – necessarily the right option you know to to be yeah so it's like you're really wanting to arm people with like the same level of knowledge and services and options that a-level athletes get because at the end of the day like everyone should have access to that information right yeah yeah that's so cool so obviously because you have had an experience of working with athletes and now you've moved into a clinic your own clinic and you were previously in a clinic before um your own clinic being open for a couple of months now tell me a little bit about that like I'd like to go down that discussion point of 
Okay, where and what prompted you to go from working in someone's clinic to going, you know what, like, I think I want to do this myself. (laughs) Um, I guess, like, starting out because of, again, having the exercise background and then always loving soccer, I knew that with whatever I wanted to do, I wanted it to involve movement, exercise, like that sort of rehab-based approach. And in the clinic setting – it was a very different approach. It was a lot more hands-on. There wasn't much space to do any moving around. So there was no real opportunity for that. And initially at the start, you know, getting my foot on in the door, that's kind of all I knew yeah. and that's what I thought was okay. But there was always something behind me that, you know, the minute I could find space, I would add in dumbbells. I would add in resistance bands, anything I could. And then I moved clinic rooms in the same clinic, but just a bigger space because I asked for it. And as soon as I could, I literally got a, a barbell and a, yeah. um, a squat stand Did you? and like just put in, put in weights and started pushing some movement because I wanted my treatments to be movement based. And I guess because of the lack of space I had and also the way the clinic treated, yeah. Um, sort of didn't allow me to treat in the way that I wanted to treat. And that was kind of the big one of the big reasons why I wanted to step out on my own to have the freedom to treat in the way that I want to treat without having to, <clears throat> you know, step on anyone's toes or try mm. and worm my way around mm. anyone's treatments. Um, I didn't want to sit there and sort of necess- not necessarily argue, but like if I was trying to um, promote kind of like a movement-based treatment, but they're in a clinic that's very hands-on, it's it's just not it's going not to it. work. So correct me if I'm wrong, you would have been one of the only people in that original clinic that had like a barbell in their room? Yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah. that's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did mm. anyone like – were they like, what is this bitch up to? Like, <laughs> they were no. To, to be honest, they were actually incredibly supportive. They I were kind that. of like, look, yep, you can you can do whatever you want. Like the space is yours. You have the freedom to do what you want. I just didn't have the room. Yeah, and because of the way the clients were already molded into a specific type of treatment, they would already walk in and they would actually stare at the barber and be like, huh. What's what this you've got in here? Yeah. Like I even had some clients use the barbell as a coat hanger. Oh, my God. <laughs> and it would just burn me. <laughs> they just throw their jumper over yep. it. I'd yep. die. Or like hang their shirt on it. Because <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Wow. And I was just like, oh, it just burnt me every time. And I'm like, I, like this isn't enough for me. I Way like, to I like put, to, a, put a yeah, knife in my heart. Like, Absolutely. But that's like so interesting because if you think, of that, think about that, general population, everyday folk in pain wanting to get out of pain, not even understanding that in, in order to get out of pain, it can be done through movement. So much so that they have no fucking idea that a barbell belongs in a place like that. Yeah. That's not the norm, right? And this is like, this is not five, ten years ago. This is literally like present day when you're experiencing that. Yeah, wow. So that that's awesome to hear that the clinic was very supportive. What I'm kind of hearing coming through is like, you know, you wanted to do your treatment a certain way. You wanted to be someone that molded their style, their methods around movement. Was that ever like, was there discussions around that in uni? Like, how did you come up with that mentality? Like, is that normal in that kind of, you know, in the education space and the education platforms that you went through? Um, Honestly, not really. Sort of going into, with the exercise science course, it was all talk about athletes, elite athletes, sort of that space. But we didn't really get into discussion around 
okay, this is what you need to do to set up your own business. Um, these are the steps you need to go to. It was all just literally pushing for elite level clubs, sporting teams. That's literally all they spoke about. Yeah. I don't actually think we did one course or one subject or unit that was on business. Yeah, wow. Um, with the myotherapy, there was a, a set unit that was on um, business, and I say in quotation marks, marks because the assessment was literally build a business plan and I had no idea what the hell I was doing like build a bit like what, <laughs> what even is mean? a business plan oh my God. like and there was there was literally no guidance around like how to set up your services how to distinguish like what type of clients you want to work with pricing um what the consultation will look like how to market there was literally Nothing. none of that and from experience through um like what I went through with injuries um, playing soccer, I knew that I wanted it to look different because I just have this memory of I rolled my ankle playing soccer and they said I was out for six weeks and I was on crutches for six weeks. Yeah. And nowadays people would hear that and be like, whoa, that's like you need to get moving as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, but that was kind of like the criteria that they went through back then. And my treatments were literally sitting on a table. They would attach these I feel like it was a TENS machine, but I'm not exactly sure. They were these <laughs> suction cups and they were literally attached to my ankle and my calf and yeah, they would yeah, just yeah. leave me there for 30 minutes and, and I would feel these like suction vibration impulses what? going through the leg and that was literally the treatment for six weeks. For six weeks. And it took me such a long time to get like return to play and afterwards I was so, um, I guess, I was so scared that I was going to hurt myself that I wore an ankle brace and it stopped my like ability to move properly, run around properly. And I did that for a whole season and it took me, it literally took me my coach to turn around and say, next season, I want that thing off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Get it off. Like you're playing is terrible. Like it was just a really shitty season that, um, I then went during the off season and started literally searching like ankle strengthening on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I literally like the whole off season, I just spent really rehabbing, like smashing the crap out of my ankle in whatever sort of strength exercise I could find. And it felt amazing. And from then I kind of thought whenever I do like a rehab or return to play an injury sort of treatment, if it's not movement-based, it's I know they're not going to get results because I know I didn't get the results. Wow. And so from starting out and even being in the clinic, even the first year, I knew that one day I wanted, like I had this image that I wanted my clinic room to have weights equipment as well as a like yeah. as well as a table and that's exactly how it looks now wow which is it crazy does. which is yeah. crazy it's, I, I literally and I, I didn't literally driving here I was kind of reflecting and I didn't realize that I had literally envisioned that when I first started out and that's literally all I've ever wanted I love and that. I've literally done it now, and you've which done is it crazy now. yeah that's so really crazy. crazy yeah that's so cool and I think like there's some big big lessons for coaches that are like listening to this like obviously our training methodologies our treatment style our business ethos all of that kind of stuff is very much driven by us personally because business is a reflection of us um and like as we can hear what Steph has now set up has been this vision in her head based on her experiences and I think there's just so much to take away from that of going you know when you're wanting to do your own thing like there's obviously stuff that happens in the industry and there's normal things you know whether it's normal treatment in a clinic or normal procedures on a gym floor with the PT. But like to have that courage and bravery to be like, I'm going to forge my own way forward because at the end of the day, like that's your business and that's what's going to make 
like you interested and passionate about your business, right? Was there any other a point when you were like, this is my treatment style, this is what I want my clinic to look like? Did you get any resistance from anyone? I had a, a little bit initially from a few clients and I guess okay. that's what like that's what stopped me when I That's the worst when it's from clients, right? <laughs> yeah. And and we've like we've had this conversation before where I, I've I've flat out said to you what if my clients walk away? What if they're not going to come back? Yeah. What if they don't like my treatment style? Like I've tried to slowly implement some form of exercise. They, they just want to jump on the table. Like I don't know if I can do this kind yeah. of thing. Like there's definitely been a, a lot of times where I've, I've dealt with and experienced that and then sort of like, you know, your self-doubt kicks in. But I guess the way <clears throat> I worked with you and the way I structured the treatment plan and marketed mm. and the language that I chose to use with clients slowly, I, I was slowly able to step away from the clients that just wanted the hands on yeah. and more to the clients that I actually wanted to treat. And that's like, I that's such a big thing. Like when you make changes in your business, right? I feel like it's, if you upset your clients, like yeah. that's just, especially your established clients that have been with you for such a long time. You're like, that's the worst feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, I had been at that clinic for four years. Yeah. So I had built four years worth of clients to then starting the business three months ago. It was literally on a clean slate. And it was almost, it was really scary because I was like, far out. I've just built up four years of clients four and years. now I have to start from scratch. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. am I doing? And that's like, you know, as someone in the industry, right, I feel like there's big what I kind of call leaps of faith sometimes. So I feel like when you get into the industry, there's a massive leap of faith to get in. Like usually people have like some, not necessarily always like a solid job or they have something that they know, like whatever the comfort looks like. And then in this case where you've gone from one thing from four years to another, it's just like another fucking big leap of faith, right? And we see that with people opening their own spaces, whether they're hiring people, whether they're changing their clientele. Like there is a hundred percent these points where you have to take a leap of faith and go, you know what, maybe I will lose, lose these clients. Maybe people will be unhappy, whatever. Like when you think back to that time, like what helped you, I guess, take that leap of faith? Cause that's scary. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were a big part of that. <laughs> and, and, and you know that we've had many conversations and I remember this one conversation we actually had on the phone yeah. where I was extremely hesitant and I said to you, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't think I'm making the right decision. Yeah. You know, we spoke about kind of like, this is your sign. You know, the universe is kind of speaking to yeah. you. Like this is your opportunity to step into your own space. And I was uncomfortable and I was like, I don't think this is the right thing to yeah. do. And I was nervous and I was like, I was absolutely shitting myself. I'm getting chilled yeah. literally thinking about it. <laughs> I was it. shitting myself. And looking back now, I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm so glad. <laughs> like I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. And I'm I remember so that conversation. That. Like yeah. I remember it's like you were going to cry yeah. all the time. You yeah. probably did cry. <laughs> 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 like tears and doubt and like everything goes in your head trying to push you away from it, right? Because you're going from comfort to discomfort. And like, you know, I remember us having so many conversations about it. That's why it's so important to have the ability to push off someone, you know, free ball, just have a conversation because I know when I'm making big leaps of faith, like I, like I, and I actually cannot do it by myself. Yeah. And I think like sometimes, especially 
coaches and business owners, they think that they should be able to do this themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel like that? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I felt like if I if I wasn't doing it myself, then it showed like, you know, I didn't have it in me or like, yeah. you know, I, I, was, I wasn't strong enough to do it or I wasn't. I've used this word so many times you're going to laugh, but how many times have I said to you, I'm not a leader, I can't do this. Oh, time. my God. <laughs> it used to be such a, like, narrative yeah. that you played, hey. Yeah, yeah. Have you said that anytime soon? No. No? No. I kind of look back now and I'm like, well, it's been three months and, like, I'm doing shit on my own. So, like, I'm, I'm leading. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, okay, that's a big thing. Yeah. Like, huge. The narrative that Steph would say all the time is, like, I'm not a leader, whether that's, like, I can go out on my own or, like, whether I can create my own clinic or whatever it might be. Um, and then, like, literally, I don't know if you're going to feel comfortable about me saying this, but, you know, Steph came to me just having a conversation a couple of weeks and she's like, I think I might want to expand to, yeah. like, have staff. And I was like, um, excuse me, like, we've finally arrived. Uh, and it's so funny because when I first started working with you, I never even thought, like, I literally went in to say, like, I think my intention of the mentorship was kind of like, I wanted to know back end of business. I just wanted to change my service up a little bit, but I want to stay where I am. Yeah. I don't want to own my own business. I'm not equipped yes. for that. Oh, my I God. Do you know what I mean? that? Yeah. I don't want to own my own business. <laughs> I don't want to do this, but, like, look around. You yeah. have your own business. You have your own clinic. And you want to hire and someone. Now, yeah. <laughs> and I never even thought. I'm like, nah, I would never even think about hiring yeah. someone. I, yeah. I said to you the other day, I've been – Thinking that eventually I think I might want to hire someone. Do you think that was because of that narrative? Like, I don't think I am a leader or I can be a leader? Probably. Yeah. And I I think it wouldn't have, like, that wouldn't have changed unless I had have stepped out into my, on on my own. Yeah. 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 And that's a thing, like, you know, Steph's gone from when I first met her to where she is now. Like, you know, she is a leader. She's making decisions. She can come up with ideas. She can say yes. she She can say no. And, like, I think if lots of coaches and business owners were to meet you now, like, because they don't know you what you were like back then like sometimes it can kind of feel like when you're coming into the industry like I can't be a leader or I can't get there or like how am I ever going to make this work and then when you you know start doing the things like you realize that it's only taking one step you learn something else like you can't have it all overnight right so when you've coming into the industry to where you are now like what have been some of the major challenges specifically more from like coming out of the clinic into your own clinic like what came up for you that really was like stopped you in your tracks or made you really second guess it one of the biggest things was just honestly like self-doubt yeah like the belief that like I didn't believe that I had it in me I believed that you know because I didn't have a name that was already existing that was reputable that had been around for such a long time that I didn't have it like going out on my own I, I couldn't deliver you know the same kind of results or people wouldn't take me seriously because I didn't have this this name yeah of like a or a, you know an existing gym or whatever it may be like behind me yeah going out on my own as Steph as just my strength performance like that scared the crap out of me and yeah. that's that made me stop in my tracks for quite a long time because I'm like I don't think I can do this you know am I even going to get clients you know and, and I think because I had been in the clinic for four years as well and I had developed, like I had built so many clients and I was at full capacity, <clears throat> then the thought of stepping out and starting all over again, yeah, I was like far out. What if I don't get the clients? Yeah. What if nobody comes to me? You know, all those kind of thoughts started rushing in my yeah. head. And that was enough to stop me in my tracks. Yeah, well, so that was one of the biggest things that you remember yeah. of being like, this is going to potentially bury me if I don't tackle it. Yeah. 
100%. And that's like, that's such a pivotal thing because like I hear a lot of coaches when they'll be like, oh, they might want to go online or they just might want to expand and grow, hire someone. They'll be like, oh, I don't have the following. I don't have the reach. I don't have the name or the brand or anything like that. But yet they've got a following on Instagram of 500 people. Like I'll hear that all the time and I'm like, that's literally 500 people, right? Like I think sometimes in our industry, because the fitness industry is very flashy, it's very visual. There is all these people doing amazing things, and sometimes we go, well, can I? Like, where's my slice of the pie in this industry, right? So for you, you know, when you went into your clinic and you thought, you know, I don't have the name, I haven't got that behind me, obviously, you know, regardless, you have been able to move on and you are becoming so successful in a numerous amount of different things now, whether it's treating general population, whether it's still working with athletes, whether it's now stepping into the education space, like what have you done to, I guess, build your name up and like allow those outcomes to be achieved on what you thought was a smaller kind of reach? Um, Honestly, it's been, for me, it's been the consistency. Yeah. Like consistently putting myself out there on social media. Like I remember when I first came to as well when I first started um, your mentorship, I was like, I cannot put my put my face on my stories. Yeah. Like I was, I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> now this bitch like, loves reels. I'm like, like <laughs> there is no way I can put my face. Yeah. I didn't even have my face on social media because I'm like, I'm just, I'm just scared. Yeah. And like, I'm like, I can't talk. What if I stuff it up? Blah, blah, yeah. blah. And now I'm just comfortably like jumping on my stories and it's all just been consistent. Like, you know, the first time I did it was cringe. The second time, still cringe, yeah. but a little bit easier. And then the the hundredth time, it just feels like second nature. It's, you don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. And that's all it is, just kind of like you need to be willing to pull yourself out there no matter how cringe you feel, no matter how, um, mm. like, I guess not as confident um, as you feel. You've just got to put yourself out there and be consistent at showing your work, putting in the effort, you know, producing content and just being yourself. Yeah. Like I think that's kind of – like it's really easy to look at other people on social media – and Instagram and see what people are doing and try and copy them. Yeah. But you've got to stay true to yourself and you've got to, like, stick to your own personality because, you know, part of the reason why a lot of people say, like, your reels are so funny, it's literally just me being myself. And Mm. for a while I sort of – I didn't realise that people were engaged because of me, because of my personality. Like, I felt like I had to look a certain way or be very smart or, you know – talk a certain way but most of my reach whenever I looked at like the insights on you know Instagram or whatever it was all posts on me and myself and that kind of made me realize that like people come to you because of you like obviously what you know matters but you need to have a personality and you need to be true to yourself and people will connect with you because of the way you are and your values and your personality Mm. and the way you treat you know the way you treat people and the way you speak to people and that'll be the difference between you and someone else and no one else can compete with you in, in that sense because you're your own person. A hundred percent. Like, oh, honestly, like fucking save that. Yeah. Like that was like the snippet of the podcast. <laughs> like that was amazing to get out from someone that has experienced that because, you know, like when you do start out with a smaller reach or a smaller audience, it can feel like you're climbing this mammoth around, well, how am I going to get noticed in this industry because there's so much going on and how do I quote unquote stand out and I that's like a common thing that coaches will say like how do I become this authority or how do I stand out and you're just like nailing it on head it's like just fucking be you oh my gosh did you ever find like pressure to like put a certain thing out there initially and I like I sort of I tried to kind of fit that mold but then 
soon enough, like, you know, a really, a, an example is when I first started doing reels and I thought, these are really funny. I'm just going to give them a go. <laughs> and I was getting so much engagement and I'm like, what the hell? Like people actually, again, I was like, people are responding to just me being an idiot. Like yeah. just me, like my personality. Yeah. So I was like, I don't actually have to put on the front for anyone. I don't have to be someone I'm not. I don't have to, you know, look a certain way or like post pictures of like, you know, my body or anything like that if I don't want, you know, yep. if I don't want 100%. to. Um, yeah. So sort of that sort of realizing that made me, made me realize that I, I don't necessarily have to put, you don't have to put on a front. You just you don't need have to, to, you just need to be yourself. You need to own it and, um, put like, put yourself out there. And yeah. then the more you do it, it just becomes comfortable and you become like confident in who, like who you are as a person. Yeah. Oh, just clicks that shit, mate. Like, and, and it's only going to come from you as well. Like yeah. so many people can turn around and say to you, you know, like you've got talent, you've got this, you've got that. But if you don't believe it, that's what's going to be, what's going to stop you. hundred percent. And that's what we see in this industry, yeah. right? Is you'll see people try and keep this front up because of like, it has to be professional or I have to talk a certain way or look a certain way or whatever. But like, you know, the consistency drops on their platforms. They don't post. It doesn't feel real because it's not. And it's like the more that you can show up as yourself, like it just becomes easy because you don't have to force anything. Yeah. It's just you. Yeah. I love that. So like apart from, you know, with the challenges that are coming up from the clinic to where you are now, you know, there was a lot of stuff around like doubt and like, will I be accepted? Will I get that reach? Will I have that business? What's, like, what's been some of the hardest parts where you've literally been like, I just want to run away from this whole business fucking thing? <laughs> All of the parts. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I want to take a nap. I want to get out. I think, um, like, one of the hardest parts I think people don't realise, like, you know, owning a business that everyone thinks it looks like, you know, it looks flashy on the outside. It's kind of – people might think it's cool to say, you know, like, I'm a business owner. Yeah. But, like, people don't understand that it's – you're a business owner, but you own the business, meaning if you feel shit, if you feel sick, if you, you know, whatever, if you're feeling off, you are responsible for your business. So you need to be able to manage that. Yeah. And if you don't, your business will start crumbling. Yes. Yeah. So that's one of the, like, that's kind of one of the the massive things that I've learned pretty quickly is that when you're feeling crap, when you're feeling down, you've got to have either systems in place to support that or you've got to learn how to pick yourself up like that yeah. and get and just do the work. Yeah. And you have to, yeah. right? Because if you stay in well in this, like, pity of however you're fucking feeling, like, your business will suffer, yeah. like, 110%. Yeah. So, yeah, I struggle with that, too. That's some of the hardest parts is, like, not being on all the time. Like, you don't always have to be on, but, like, you have to have the ability to work through rain, hail, or shine. Yeah. Right? Because you don't have the option to not, basically. Yeah. And yeah. we've spoken so much about, like, uh, work-life balance and knowing when to shut off. Yeah. And that's something that I'm slowly learning to do and I've struggled for a while. It's like if I was to go out or spend time that's for myself that's not on the business, I'd feel guilty. Yeah. I'd be like, I need to do more. I'm not doing enough. I'm going out for lunch with friends when I should be working on the yeah. business. Like, you know, and so I wouldn't enjoy relaxing. Yeah. And so that I'm slowly like learning to like that it's okay. Yeah. And that you actually come out feeling refreshed and you don't necessarily like you you'll be more um like you'll do more work, you won't procrastinate if you actually have that time to just yeah. chill. Hustle culture is a real deal here. Like, you know, as a business owner, you just look around and you're like, oh, this person's working so hard or I should be doing this. And like the guilt creeps in and like, yeah. you know, fuck these expectations and all this kind of stuff. Has there been anything to help you 
embrace that, recognize that, actually take it on board about this like balance thing because that is one of the biggest things that I talk to coaches about. Yeah. And they're like, I get it, Ro. I hear what you're saying. But like actually adopting it and yeah. actually allowing yourself to do it, has there been any things that have helped you? Um, literally having like – um, Sundays for me are always like my time to shut off. Yeah. Like, through, like what, no matter what I'm doing, it, like depending on the time, but like my Sundays for me, are like, no, you have to go out and do something for yourself. Whether it's just during the day, um, I have to do something yeah. at least once a week kind of thing, yeah. where it's for myself. Um, there's, I've been recently um, sprinting a lot, which I've been enjoying with my, with two of my friends. And um, that's kind of a, a ritual that we have every Monday. So I will literally build my day around that so I'll do my work in the morning I'll block out two hours to go and mess around train with them you know have lunch with them whatever and then later on in the day I'll do the work and I don't feel guilty about it and I don't feel like you know like I haven't done anything I don't feel lazy or anything like that because I've literally put in a plan that I can work around and I can make it like I can make it work I I love that so you've literally built in these times yeah I mean, type A personalities as business owners, yep. you know, like we are get shit done, plan, routine. Like the point here is being you have to literally sometimes plan stuff in yep. because otherwise we would just keep going, Yeah, you know? And like, when we spoke about um, my hours for when, how, how often yeah. I would work, we had this discussion yeah. because I said to you, you know, you said, what do you want your work week to look like? And I was like, I don't know, I guess five days, you know, six days a week because that's all I've been doing. Yeah. And you're like, well, no, 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 you know, you don't actually have to do that. And I was just like, if I work, so right now I'm in the clinic for three days only and then I'm at home doing, you know, working from home on the other three days. And I never thought I'd say that because there was so much guilt behind, oh, my God, you're only working in clinic three days. Yeah. So lazy. Yeah. You know, you need to be doing more work. You're not working hard enough. Whereas now it's like, well, no, 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 I've like, I know what I need to do. I'm, I'm busy on the days that I have the yeah. three days. Like I've built it up enough where I can work those three days and then Love. from home I can be flexible on the other three days and it's I don't so feel guilty good. about it anymore. It's so <laughs> and good. And I don't feel like, burnt out. <laughs> there you go. Like think about that. Steph has a clinic. It's her business. She's working three days in the clinic and I know that she's making more than she's previously made. Yeah. And like still – like, she's setting business and her hours on her terms. Like, it's the same like me. I have Wednesdays off right now um, because I want to continue to have my child out of childcare so we can go to swimming and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, people that are not in business will be like, oh, you must be so stressed out. You yeah. must be so busy. And you're like, oh, well, you know, like, me and Steph are going to go for a skate after yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> Like that's that's like that's important too. Yeah. Like you know, my Friday afternoon is talking to Steph. We're gonna go for a skate down the road, and it's like, but we've booked those things in because that's what keeps us ticking along. Yeah. But to sell someone that that's not a business owner, they just can't relate to it sometimes. You know. Yeah. And it's kind of like again, like the hustle culture. Like if you're not doing, if you're not working twenty four seven, if you're not waking up at four a.m. every morning and so going to bed at you know midnight, then you're not working you're hard, not enough. hard enough, Steph. <laughs> This is beauty of business. Like, we are the boss. So, like, we get to make our own rules. <laughs> oh, I love that. So, with where you're wanting to go now, you know, gosh, I feel like you've done so many just, like, turns and I don't know. Like, I feel like you've just experienced a lot of the industry in your younger years, right? And now you're a business owner with your own clinic. Like, what's the next kind of things for you? So I want to, um, I guess, within the next, you know, six months to a year or so, step into that education 
um, form a little bit. Yeah. Um, a small little, a small little dip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> particularly for myotherapists, um, I have a, I have a soft spot for myos in particular because I am a myo myself, and I feel like the education um, that I went through during the course, like, could be, could be a little bit better. And you know, stepping out um, after I finished the course and not necessarily knowing what I can do, how to start my, up my own business, is that even an option? Like all these kind of things and all these thoughts that I had stepping out. After I finished, I want to be able to kind of teach that to buyers yeah. and show them that there is there is options out there to start their own business. Um, teach them how to communicate with clients and really connect with clients. Um, give them more options to more than just the hands-on approach that we're, we're, yeah. we're taught, and it's kind of drilled into our heads that you know you only need to do hands-on and and nothing else. Like there's there's more options, and there's also um, you, you achieve better results. Yeah, when yeah. when you have other you know other options more than just kind of hands on. So I guess for me, I, I want to be able to um, educate my therapists in that way, teach them how to become better clinicians, allow them to upskill, um, give them a little bit more information around exercise prescription and rehab, and yeah, c- connecting with clients and communicating and um, building treatment plans, and um, I guess just tidying up their their current treatments and allowing them to kind of reassess where they're at and and what they want to do as well because I feel like you know the industry you know when you see allied health we technically don't fall under the allied health branch Mm -hmm. so you'll see you hear about a lot of physios osteos chiros um and myos kind of I feel like when you step into the industry if you're a myo just alone without like you know the exercise science background that I have you can get a little bit lost yeah you can kind of feel like well where do I fit in in the industry so being able to provide them like the opportunity to, to feel like they matter in the industry and that they yeah. have a place, I think that's really, really important. That's so cool because it, as I'm sitting here and listening, it's like everything that is the gap that you weren't provided as a myotherapist around communication, conversation, the curiosity of what I can do, like you struggle with that and you very much want to have that platform and have that, those things available for myotherapists in the industry. Yeah. And I know like I had one of um, – my current mentories that's just finished up, she's getting into that space and like she was asking me questions. I was like, I don't I don't know, man. And I literally hooked Steph and her up and like Steph just went on these tangents and it's like, you know, it comes so naturally to you now, but that's because you've been in the thick of it. You've done the time. You've worked it out yourself. Um, and I don't know if there's lots of myotherapists that know that. Mm. You know, a myotherapist that I see on and off and have done for a while, like – you know, he's now starting to go and go, what's other options? Yeah. And he's been one for ages. So yeah. it does sound like it's just this area that's kind of left aside in the industry. Yeah. 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 And I feel like if you don't like constantly upskill and you don't like adapt to what's going on in the industry, then you'll kind of lose your place and you'll, you'll kind of, you feel like you get pushed to the side a little bit. So, um, you know, like with the industry now as well, it's, it's changing a lot. There is more like movement based approach to, to rehab. Yeah. And you'll see now that like every clinic now has some form of gym equipment in their space. Like it's kind of yeah. if you don't have some sort of rehab gym equipment and your treatment treatments aren't kind of movement based, then you're like you're missing out at the moment. Isn't that crazy to think though, like you in your first clinic yeah. were one of the first people to have it. Like you've been a driver in that change. Mm. Like that? Like, do you ever realize that? Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes, like, I, it's it's trippy. Like, I think to myself now, like, you know, five years ago, I, I literally said, yep, yeah, I want my clinic room to look different to this. I want it to be more 
hands off. I want to be more movement and I want to have like the space that I do now. And then fast forward to five years and now everyone, like every clinic that's opening now, it's looking exactly the same. That's so cool. Which is, which is awesome. It's, it's an, it's awesome that they're like the industry is changing in that way. And they're now starting to recognize the importance of movement and like a lot more than I guess what I've experienced as well is treatments are a lot more than just giving out exercises it's actually being able to like communicate 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 and connect with your client and if you don't have that communication you don't have that connection and the plan and the treatment isn't like an open discussion then like you you get you get lost and you don't necessarily you won't necessarily get results and it's just it's changing like it's changing quite a lot it's it's not so much now that you have to like throw exercises to people. It's actually you have to sit down and have a conversation and actually listen to mm. them, make them feel like they've been heard, they've been acknowledged, that their opinions matter mm. rather than just throwing them a piece of paper and saying, like, you know, yeah, here are the exercises, go and do them, I'll yeah. see you in three weeks. Actually yeah. guide them and give them stuff that they can confidently kind of do yeah. at home. I yeah. love that. I love yeah. that. You're just like standing and what you want to do, what you know is going to get results and just pushing forward pushing forward my last kind of question to round up is you know for coaches clinicians practitioners whoever in the health and fitness industry like when you when it comes to forging forward and being in this health and fitness industry whatever it looks like to them like what's a couple of pieces of advice that you might say to people who are who are in the industry coming in or you know probably one of the biggest things is um don't be afraid to ask for help um (laughs) like Personally, I wouldn't have been where I am today if I didn't have yourself as yeah. a mentor guiding me the whole way. So I think it's important to actually invest in someone that's mm. going to back you and support mm. you and guide you through. I think that's that's probably one of the most like important things and probably one of the biggest advice that I, I give to anyone looking to step out or even having a mm. thought that they want to do their own thing but they just don't know where to start. I would say invest in a, in a mentor. And the second one is back like back yourself up. Yeah, if you don't have that self belief then that's what's going to stop you from stepping out of your comfort zone. Oh my God. And it does take a bit of a push and it does take a massive leap, but unless you do it, you'll be stuck in the same place. Oh my God. Like I'm just like, it's, this is like the, the, that conversation, that statement, I feel like it's day. I feel like I'm looking at myself <laughs> and that's what, cause they're the same things that I struggle yeah. with. Like I invested yeah. in mentors, uh, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands over the years, but like, thank God, because mm. otherwise I wouldn't be in the industry. Because it's about backing yourself, but you need some help and some like hype people sometimes yeah, to help you, right? Yeah. And I just feel like it's the same common themes. Like, I think sometimes coaches will think it's like, oh, my knowledge base around one thing or like my skill set around that. And of course, that stuff's important. But like, if you just don't have the ability to get out of your own head and like have the ability to put one foot forward, you're fucked. Yeah. Like, Big one. Yeah. Ask for help, huh? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Ask your help. Ask for help. Back yourself up. Um, put yourself put yourself yeah. out there. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Oh, I have loved chatting. That has been so many like golden nuggets that I think so many people in the health and fitness industry that work in the industry can take from that. Um, so where can our listeners find you, Steph? So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, um, Maya Strength Performance. Um, if you're in Melbourne, Australia, I'm located in Preston if you ever need some assistance. Yes! <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. I love that so, so freaking much. Thank you for having um, me. Should we go do some skating? Yeah, let's skate. <laughs> <laughs> let's go skate. Bye, team! <laughs>